You know, recently I was watching a video of when pizza was introduced to Canada. You know, we have video. We have video of that. Well, there was an advertisement apparently that ran in Canada to introduce the idea of pizza in the mid 1950s, and mm. I couldn't help but notice that the woman pitching this. I don't know if this is still the case, but the woman that was like explaining what pizza is called it a pizzeria, pizzeria, pizzeria? Uh-huh. instead of a pizzeria. And it made me think that maybe pizzeria is the preferred pronunciation and we should all adopt that. Mm, I don't. This This is this is one of your wilder intro schemes. Yeah. The idea that you thought this was. (laughs) And can I I tell you something? It's sending me and Justin because it's. This is a Travis McElroy intro, and that's what this sort of is. I thought me. I could trust you, Russ. I thought that if you started launching into a cold open, you had, I mean, anything, man, anything yeah. at all. And here you have broken my heart, Russ. Usually you bring the heat where it's like, I ate a big egg sandwich on the subway <laughs> and it made me fart so hard that everyone passed out. And something like that's that. A, or that's, I, a good, that's a good one. Let me try this. So I've noticed my son is stronger than me. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. That's the that's heat. a run. That's, that's gonna a be good like shit. a good. But this was this was I in Canada they say pizzeria wrong in the 1950s. That's and a, coming from you too, with no no self awareness yeah. whatsoever about mispronouncing Italian words. Yeah, none of it. I'm just saying, p- pizzeria <laughs> is half diarrhea, and maybe like that's not the way to go. Pizzeria is half diarrhea, right? The second that's half good. is just diarrhea. <laughs> That's good. It, I take it back. You're playing 4D hollow chess over here. <laughs> take it back. You're a fucking genius. The way you just brought that back around, man. Dang. <laughs> layers upon layers. Onions that, inside onions. I that mean, was a, a goading strike. You, you stepped back <laughs> to give me and Justin room to come into your fucking kill box. My name is Justin McElroy, and I do the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and you'll never see it coming. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Ross Frushing, and I know the best game of the week. Hello, and welcome to The Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. It is a video game club, and just by listening, my friend, you have become a member Congratulations and welcome to our illustrious ranks. This week we're going to talk about Persona 5 Tactica. But what's that? Persona 5 Tactica is a little bit of Persona with a little bit of, let's say, XCOM for people who've been listening to this show. And I think I think this might be the end of Persona 5. I think I <laughs> think this is like I think it, I think it might be time for it to end. And I think we should talk more about it after the break. This episode of The Best These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos. You can do whatever you want. And it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames. And they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now... You can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. 
For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. First off, I do want to say I think they are making a mobile game. Of per, persona, I think it's Persona X, and it's a mobile game based on Persona Five. So I do think we still have. I do Just think those more. wizards at Atlas are still cranking away on this one. I I like okay. Persona Five. I, we, are we are we in are we in the front of the show or the end of the show? Where where are we? Do you want it to be the end? Are you saying that this is the? <laughs> This is the beginning. This is the beginning of the show where we're. Where you said something so challenging as part of your introduction that I think that we're all a little bit stymied. I, I do want to find out what you mean by this should be the end of Persona Five. But what? What? Uh, if I am not aware of Persona Five, just what, imagine what, that universe. <laughs> what am I bringing to this to this game? What do I have? What do I have here? Well, who 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 finished Persona Five? I think that's Griffin. <laughs> Me twice, regular okay, and Griffin Royal. How would you summarize Persona Five? Sure. Okay. Royal? Yeah. Let's let's just let's just take a deep cleansing breath and start over. Okay. Okay. okay, uh, okay. Persona, y'all probably know it. RPG series running a long time. Half sort of life dating sim, half uh, dungeon divey RPG. Uh, you collect personas and you can combine them to create new ones and you go through a calendar year and it fucking rules. It's my favorite shit ever. Uh, Persona 5 came out, Jesus Christ, what, like t- 10 years seven, ago now? I think it was seven, seven years ago. Yeah. Okay, that's still pretty outrageous. Uh, it was 2016 is when the original one came out. Um, so yeah, seven years Persona ago. Persona 5? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus. I know. Right? That is wow. that shit is wild. Uh, it is the latest sort of core entry into the franchise. Uh, smash hit success. Uh, they made a sort of, uh, as they do with this franchise, a upgraded version called Persona 5 Royal. Uh, that was much better, in, in my opinion. And uh, I, I adore that game. And they do this thing with this franchise where they do just shit tons of spinoffs instead of releasing like more core entries into the series with uh, any amount of regularity. We've had. uh, Let me be clear. I I enjoy. I think that's like a great thing. It's just at a certain point, as we experienced with Persona 4, you get to I need something new. And yeah. what we've had so far is we've had Dancing in Starlight, which is a dancing yes. game. We've had um, Strikers, which is right. a like beat 'em up type of Dynasty uh, Warriors role playing game. game. Dynasty yeah. Warriors, yeah. We've had um, Royal, of course, which is the here's the true version of the game. And we've also had, if you count it, Persona Q2 New Cinema Labyrinth, which, <laughs> which is includes. a dungeon crawler role playing game, but. The main character of Persona 5 is the star of the box art, so I think we should count that. Uh, we also do have Persona 5 The Phantom X, which is the upcoming mobile game. Yes. So, like, this yes. is, this is, Joker was also in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Is it's, this is what they do. They <laughs> fucking release a core entry into the games, they release an upgraded version of it, and then they do a million spinoffs. Some of them are great. I actually love the rhythm games. I think they're fantastic. Oh, it's also worth mentioning that next year, I, I believe in January, we're getting the um, Persona 3 remake, yeah. which looks fantastic. That does look like it's going to uh, scratch, scratch the itch for like a big entry into the uh, in, into the core series uh, that I've wanted for so long. Um, this is a new sort of form for these spinoffs to take. It is a strategy game very much inspired by XCOM. I would say a cover-based... Uh, uh, you know, troop placement based affair. Um, I think. Oh, you know, uh, um, what was the Mario? Uh, Mario, Mario and, and Rabbids. Rabbids. Yeah, definitely I has a lot of DNA here as well. A lot of that yeah. DNA here, which is good um, because I played forty five minutes of Persona Five, so like, oh, wow. I didn't really know any of these characters. <laughs> um, That's wild. So, I, but I was not... able to like. I mean, thankfully, a lot of them get kidnapped in the first five minutes. So it was like, oh, I, uh, whatever. It was just a cat and the main guy. So I'm, this, I'm cool. <laughs> we have to drill down on that because this <laughs> game takes place between, I believe, like the second and third semesters of the story of Persona 5. They do not, they, they very notably don't introduce the characters of this game. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, yeah. you know, yeah. here's the gang. You know them. You love them. You know them. 
it's like the little rascals. You kind of get the gist based on like their initial like lines, what their deal is more or yeah. less. Yeah. Um, there's some of the persona DNA here specifically. I think what they do with the, um, you know, collectible personas is very cool. That system is still in the game. You can combine them and there's like skill inheritance. And then you can also equip them to every party member. Usually that is just reserved for the protagonist of the series. You have like one who you can kind of customize at will. You can really do that with any any character in this game. And that's very, very cool. Uh, and uh, I, I think it it lends itself to the sort of strategy formula that um that that this game goes for yeah i uh, look i can't really speak to the narrative part of this because again i don't have any frame of reference uh i didn't find it super engaging but i'm sure fans of persona might be excited to like rescue i don't know Anne, someone one of the characters on on thank you (laughs) um but i did actually find the combat to be like very fucking rules like a lot of fun and i was not expecting that they really i think they took a lot of lessons from games like XCOM, from games like mario rabbits and made something that was um not super stat heavy and more focused on just like maneuvering and like knocking people out of cover and then knocking them down and and so on and so forth which while still feeling like persona 5 which is, yeah. I think, like the impressive bit. They, it, it, it's like a really good board game adaptation, almost. Where it's like, mm. what are the core components that we like from Persona? Oh, well, the like the plus one, the, the extra action that you get here in in the traditional game, you get here when you knock characters down, you can get an extra attack in. And I, I, I've put in a few hours. I'm curious how how this goes for people who made it you know, much deeper into the game. But there is this cool rhythm of moving around the battlefield, knocking, like going behind cover, pushing people with melee attacks out of their own cover, then getting a plus one attack on them, and then with them exposed suddenly out in the open, you know, swarming them with all the other characters that you have kind of waiting it's, for the attack. Do you know what this game kind of reminded me of? The, ta- the tactics of this game reminded me a lot of Croquet. <laughs> because oh. it, it, croquet is all about hitting your balls into other balls to get extra shots to like sort of leapfrog down the course that is sort of what you do you have three you only have three characters you play as at a time which really really i enjoy Love because it, it does it does make it uh a lot more um you know you can look at the battlefield and kind of start formulating a battle plan much easier than you can in like a a fire emblem uh this is obviously going for a much different thing but you it is all about how can i find weaknesses in the enemy's like placement on the board, get them out in the open, get a critical attack. If you get an attack, any attack against an enemy who is not in cover is a critical attack. It'll knock their ass down and then that character gets an extra move. So now all of a sudden it's like, I can do that and then this character can get to this other enemy, knock them out of cover so that the next guy can run up and get an extra attack. And then all of that culminates in what is called a triple threat attack, which is my favorite shit in this whole game. Uh, which is if you can knock an enemy down and then get them between your three characters in a sort of triangle, you will execute uh, one of the like super stylish, super strong all-out attacks from Persona 5 on every character uh, in between your three characters. That's maybe hard to understand, but just on paper, you just have this imaginary triangle between your three characters at all times. And if you can get an enemy who's been knocked down in it, you can just fuck up the whole map. And that is like sick. I think that is a fantastic explanation of this game i do want to say with the croquet comparison as someone who has played a a significant amount of croquet really with, griffin, with me yeah oh, with griffin interesting this is a, this comparison makes a lot of sense because when griffin the second the croquet game starts he puts on his persona mask he is not griffin anymore yeah. and those tactics yeah. that he's talking about there is no there's no space for friends everybody no, is is just a thing that can be knocked down bloody right in pursuit right. of greatness it is um, a fierce fierce game playing croquet with griffin there it is it is i would say the the campaign of this game maybe like eight eight or nine hours into it um it's not that difficult like it is not that hard to knock an enemy down and then wipe out the entire board by putting them inside of your triangle of death uh, there are, however, these side missions that you can go on 
uh, where you can earn the like upgrade currency for each of the individual characters, which is like pretty important, uh, that have like super tight uh, like uh, rules in them, like get across this whole map without taking any damage or get across this whole map in a single turn. So now it is all about, okay, well, do, okay, if I knock that en enemy down with this guy, I can leapfrog off with this guy. And, and, and that stuff becomes like, it, it then switches into like puzzle mode of like, okay, how can I use the rules of this game and these, you know, a handful of characters specific abilities to achieve the like specific requirements of, of these levels. Those are, I really either loved them, found them very enjoyable or like super, super, super punishing. There were a few that I just bailed on because I could not wrap my mind around how to like find the specific solution that they wanted. But I, I enjoyed having that sort of alternate mode of, uh, of of playing the game. I'm curious how you guys felt uh, about the like meta hub game, oh, you know, because you think about comparisons to like Fire Emblem where there's yeah. a hub area and you're like talking to everyone, stuff like that. Obviously there is some uh, more of a menu based hub area in this where you can, you know, organize your team and talk to people and stuff like that. But it is definitely lighter. I felt like I was kind of missing that I'm building up a hub element in this yeah. it felt a little light to me i don't know how you guys i mean the, it 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 doesn't hit for me at all like yeah. the the highs of of like what persona achieves in its other half it's like life sim half yeah. is like you know the characters are there and they sound the same as they did in the core game but like the story is is not good for me um and it is i mean there's a lot of thought that went into like the persona system that I described, right? And there is virtually zero thought that goes into most other sort of elements yeah. of building out your characters. Uh, like you get skill points that you invest into a tree and that is how you like unlock new attacks and, and passive boost. And that's all well and good. But then there's also like a weapon shop that's just like spend money to get the one that has a higher number. And there's yeah. not, there's like nothing else to it than that. There's a way, there, there, this game has the wildest bit of like, unnecessary mythology building where they way over explain why they have guns. <laughs> There's like a whole thing about, well, there wouldn't be guns here, but maybe if we dream the guns into possibility, yeah. I can, I can remanufacture some of the raw material. Just your, it's a gun store. Yeah. You get it? <laughs> There's person. And then <laughs> right after this, <laughs> they were like, how do you make a persona? And uh, the, the uh, I don't know. You just kind of make it. You have one too. And she's like, "Can I try now?" And it's very embarrassing for her. It's, yeah. It seems like th it, there should be a lot more to it than that. Some sort of ritual. You know, kids used to shoot themselves <laughs> to get their persona, but they don't bring yeah. that up. No, in they, the, uh, they certainly in, don't. In, in the when the teaching about them. Uh, the thing that I noticed, and again, this is coming from someone who's like played a little bit of persona games, but I do feel like contrast is very important in the way that like contrast is important in. Alan Wake, where you have the like real world slash, yeah, fake world. you do lose mm. that a little bit. This is all a little bit more fantasy. Yeah, you lose that like d the being able to go to the real world and do stuff as mundane as like have ramen or whatever. And have you. not even like I understand why they like trimmed back all the dating stuff. Like I get it, sure, from a whatever scope of the development standpoint. But even having just levels that existed more in the real world would have been, or like missions would have been, yeah, interesting. It, it, it is a huge piece of what makes Persona special that, not a, not a joke, pretty much none of the spinoff games have ever been able to accomplish, which is, which is super frustrating. Like, this is a good strategy game. I think a lot, I played it on Switch, by the way, which oh. it's, it's on everything. Uh, it is great on Switch. It's perfect on Switch. Yeah, uh, I put it on Steam Deck and it worked very well to the point where I was like, oh, this would definitely run really well on Switch. I remember yeah. Mario Rabbids, the second one, did not run super great on Switch. It kind of uh. struggled. But this is actually even more simple from a visual standpoint than that was. Yeah, it, I, it, it to a degree where I was surprised it was on other platforms. Yeah. It seems like a Switch mm. game because it, it like the presentation is very sort of like uh, you know stylized chibi kind of art, uh, which is not you know the most. Um, uh, demanding good. i would say uh or good uh the music's fucking fantastic I, it's 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 a lot like all the other spinoffs where the presentation's great it has a lot of the same vibes as persona and it is like very thoughtful in how it uh how it kind of like uses the persona world for this new genre of a video game right but it doesn't get at the 
beating heart of what makes the the core game special, which is like care like caring a lot, a lot, a lot about these characters and getting very into the day to day uh you know life stuff so that by the time you do get into a dungeon you are not only invested in the characters sort of right. narratively you are deeply invested in them mechanically too of like wow i hope i spent my time right in the real world so that i can be strong enough to face this now um uh, I, I was just i was just remembering uh there's a moment earlier in this where like a blue door shows up and i was like what the fuck is that blue door oh, Jesus and you Christ go in and and there's like a girl in there and you and i was like i don't know who this is. it is <laughs> wild that you didn't play more than 45 minutes of persona do you do you not i spent a lot of that lost in the subway wait you played oh, the see. other personas though right no I'm like maybe in two hours of um persona four yeah fresh uh, and a persona four. guy wow man it's a lot I of reading it. a lot of i reading. really no i'm listen i'm i'm with you i have a really weird relationship with this series where like I don't I think I I don't know if I've ever actually finished one I like enjoy my time with them um and then I I don't have it in me to to pull in the hours to beat it um uh to 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 see it through so I like it more in theory than I do I guess uh in in practice I will say this though Um, of the like combat that I have played in Persona games I actually prefer this combat more just because I like tactics games more than I do like turn-based uh RPGs Man, mm. but I, I, you should give Persona Five Royal a try. It is the most fun JRPG combat I've, I've ever, I've ever played in a game. Yeah, uh, I, I will go. I like Persona Four as a game better, but I think that the just playing Persona Five is super duper fun, and and playing this game is super duper fun too. I don't, but I also don't know if I'm going to. This has been such a good and special year for video games. I feel like a, a game really needs to hit on all fronts for me in order for me to like really stick with it. Uh, just in the current landscape of what could be taking up my time. And, you know, this one is very fun to play, but, you know, I feel like I have reached the end of my time with it because I don't really, the story is not pulling me along. The characters are not pulling me along. There's really not much else pulling me along aside from the fact that, like, it is fun to knock dudes down and make triangles of fire around them. (laughs) Can I I ask, and I know that this is a little bit of an unfair comparison because Griffin's in a different situation having to talk about games here, but... And and I don't mean I mean this not as like a challenge, but as like a a place to discuss. Like, if this if Griffin beat Persona Five twice, if this game is not for Griffin, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I don't yeah. mean that. Like, is it is it like a mistimed? Like, is this is this as somebody who's kind of on the outside of this? Is it like a is it like Plant said, where it's like maybe one of these too many? I mean, uh, what do you think? I th- I mean. I you're, a, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't. I know. I know. Hostile. I, I, it's like if Griffin doesn't want to play it, who does? Well, I think there's a lot of people who are so fucking into this world that they love any opportunity they get to spend with these these characters, right? Like there's a there is a. I am not that type of fan with any media mm-hmm. franchise, really. But that and that's not a judgment on folks who who are. But like, sure, I need right. There to be, uh, I, 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 it needs to be more than just like, you already love these guys. So here's an, here's another one with them. It's like, I need to fall more in love with these guys. I need there to be more stuff about these guys or, or new guys. There's new characters in this game too, who are, are pretty great, but that you don't get a whole lot of, uh, time with them compared to what you get in a persona game. Uh, but I do think that there is a, a big group of people in the, in the fandom like myself who are just like, this is, it's neat that we get all these chances to play these different games, but like Persona 6 would also be pretty fucking cool. Like that is what I am chomping at the bit for is the the next one of of the the things that I adore. Have we heard um, anything about when if that when is that ha- happening? I mean, there's like leaks and shit. Yeah. I would not be surprised if like uh you know within the next year we we get some sort of thing, uh some sort of announcement. Uh, there's also Metaphor re Fantasio, <laughs> which I'm, I'm serious. This is actually the you real thing. You made game. that one up, though. This is, you made that one up. No. So it's it's called Metaphor re Fantasio and a pizzeria. <laughs> and it um, it is. Zeria. Pizzeria. It is it's Atlas's new game. They made a new studio that is a branch off of the P Studio, not to be confused with the P Organ. And it is. <laughs> 
yeah, it's something entirely new. But a lot of yeah. the Persona people are involved in that. So yeah. I don't know. It looks it, good. It, it, feels, it looks cool. It looks I, sick. Um, yeah. I, I would the be, Persona 3 remake looks like that is going to be what I want. That is that is what I I like Persona 3 a lot. And I'm excited for the opportunity to like go back and do it. But it's like it is it is hard to play a game like this that is good, not you know, game-changingly great and not feel like, well, there isn't... You guys do know how to make that game, though. You guys do know how to make that 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 experience. It's and, like the Breath of the Wild uh, Muzu game, whatever those were called, Hyrule Warriors or whatever it is. Like, because it has mm. the characters, it has the, like, world that you love from Breath of the Wild, but obviously it's not on the level of Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Um, I Here, I would add a caveat by saying two things. One... I was kind of enjoying myself like once I was like I don't give a fuck about this story I don't know any of these characters I was kind of enjoying myself just like skipping through dialogue and just doing missions I was like legit digging that and thing two it's coming to Game Pass and like Mm. I feel like that is a pretty decent approach if you happen to be subscribed to Game Pass to just like try it out without it being like a huge investment for you yeah I think it's actually encouraging that the person who clicked the most with this is the person who's played the least Persona (laughs) <laughs> yeah and that's and that's what makes me think like if this was not a persona game right if this was like an original ip yeah that had this kind of like tactical battle but with new characters that it actually like gave a shit about introducing and making you care about and not just assuming like you already love these guys i think it'd be a better game like i think that maybe this game suffers for the assumption that uh, this game suffers for like spin-off syndrome yeah and and uh, that is that that's a weird thing to to be true because there's a lot about the persona DNA that is here that is cool, um, but but like storytelling and character development is not one of them. And you know, I've I've heard it's like a thirty hour game or something like that. That's a long time to ask people to just kind of ride with folks that they don't. You know, I mean, they've in, never had trouble or... asking people to give a lot of time. That's that that's, hasn't that's, been a problem for the series. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, uh, that that's that is Persona Five Tactica, but that is not the only game that we're going to be discussing today. Don't fool yourself. We got a lot more, and it's coming up for you right after the break. You go get a phone. You just want a phone. Talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts, and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print, little details, and all of a sudden. They're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want. Get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is 
incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I want to talk about Call of Duty, and I don't, let me be clear, I don't want to talk about Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, the new game that is out. I don't even know if any of us have played that game. I didn't even know it was happening. I have watched a fair amount of it because it's wild. The the strap uh, a bomb to your chest on the middle of a a transcontinental flight and then have you commit a terrorist uh, act against your will. That happens in uh, the game? That's in the game. Oh my um, gosh. It's, uh, and don't worry, you have a choice. So you can try to hide behind civilians in their seats as they, well, they don't get shot because for whatever reason, they didn't add in the ability for people to get shot as machine guns are. Don't, again, I'm getting sucked into the vortex here. The point is, it's, it's not good from all accounts. It's, um, it's Metacritic when Fresh and I checked, I think was 51. Yeah, it's um, the lowest I, rated Call of Duty game in the history of the franchise, not counting like the spinoffs and stuff, but like of the core main games. Yeah. Wow. So it, it's bad. At the same time, a bunch of things are happening. Call of Duty Warzone is still dominant. It's making a lot of money. They seem to realize they needed to transition in some way. Call of Duty has a long history of trying other experiments like that, uh, usually to lesser effect. And there's also the fact that Microsoft just acquired Activision. So Mm. I wanted to throw it to you all to see where do you think Call of Duty can go from here or where it should go from here? Um, Because this feels like a a real inflection point. I don't fucking know, man. Yeah, (laughs) I don't I don't I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, you know, know it's not going to die because obviously Warzone is still successful. They'll continue doing that, right? Yeah. Oh. It's, I, I don't know how one continues to make campaigns. Yeah. That's the larger question. Yeah. So, that, yeah. Like, yeah. My, my theory about campaigns is after this, it, it feels very bleak and it feels like an albatross of them having to develop these campaigns, knowing that they're going to end up rushing them at the end, knowing it will bring down their scores, quite frankly. Like, would this game have a better score if they just hadn't attached a campaign to it at all? Um, but hey, Game Pass means Microsoft just needs a bunch of new games every month that they can promote. And being able to promote two Call of Duty releases every year or so. Uh, much more useful for them than just one. So it seems reasonable to me that there is a scenario where Call of Duty's annual thing truly does become a multiplayer game with really larded up with DLC and, and other expenses. And then Call of Duty single player becomes something that is, yeah, a standalone four to six hour game that we largely get through Game Pass. Also, Microsoft has quite a few developers you know they've been buying them up for a while and they could start spreading this across other teams who could try slightly different things versus the same you know three to four teams that have been really just you know stuck on this game for so long i i have to imagine people on this team would call of duty people would probably love to make a halo game and halo people would probably love to make a call of duty game at this point so what you what you just described though is more or less what they've been doing which is like short a four, you know four to six hour campaign is like actually kind of long these days for call of duty campaigns i think they are going to scale way back to the point where first of all i don't think there'll be separate games because i think the campaigns are in some way just exist as a gateway to what makes them the real dollars, which are which is Warzone and monetization there. But if they do exist, I think they will exist in like, here's two very action-packed, splashy levels that act as like a prologue to whatever the new map is in Warzone. And that mm-hmm. is like the advertisement to get people in the door 
but it is very clearly not something that would be long enough to even think about reviewing because it so, is so light in terms of I, actual content. I agree with you, but for different purpose. I think Warzone sells itself. You don't need this at all. So I, in that case, like just they wouldn't need to make it. Yeah. But I do agree that the campaign for Call of Duty is a good marketing system. And that is why I think, yes, having these on Game Pass and every now and then is that going to like move a lot of units to sell? No, but but is Call of Duty the sort of thing that gets people to subscribe to Game Pass? Yeah, I, I do think it is, and I I, I think would, that that's I, the the get the hook. It is marketing for a new thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know, but Justin. What what do you think? I'm sorry that used to play, um, all the campaigns, and then I would like dabble with the multiplayer. But I like the like Jerry Bruckheimerness of the you know. Yeah, uh, dashing through a four-hour campaign with all it's actually the Jeremy the, Bruckheimer. <laughs> Jeremy a lot of people get that wrong. All the special effects, everything I dig. Um, I will say there. I think there's two two separate issues here. First, for me personally, and I wonder if there are more people fitting into this. Or like, I just don't have a big app. the The chase towards like hyper realism just makes in the current state of the world just makes it feel gross, man. And that's like me getting older too. Like. It's just harder for me to engage with like hyper realistic military violence. Um, so I think for me to care personally, and and I'm not like a puritanical about violence in video games. Obviously, like I don't. It, it's just like the the taste of wanting to be in like a hyper realistic world. It, and uh, the narratives so get, of the campaigns, like especially with the Modern Warfare series, trying to go as quote grounded as possible with like police raids on apartments and blah, 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 stuff like that. It's rough. It's rough. Yeah. I just personally, I would, uh, you know, it would need to be a big departure uh, for me to care, like on a level of like, I don't know, cartoon, like battlefield heroes, cartoons. Like, I don't, I don't don't know. You know, what's really Uh, funny Warzone, And I only know that I haven't really played Warzone, but I have kept up on it just because I've been looking at some of the wild fucking cosmetics that have come out for that game. The game's been out for a while. They need to get money somehow. And it seems like what started as, oh, you play as Ghost or some random soldier guy and you could spend $15 for that skin, is now you can be a the most realistic cat you've ever seen, but the cat is in body armor. I need to pull this up so you guys can see. It's the best fucking game skin I've ever seen. Uh, it's called Sergeant Pss, Pss, Pss. And it's <laughs> all right. Uh, so, like, that's the kind of thing that I would love to see. Like, just make the f- campaign like Buck Wild. That is very appetizing to me. I do also have to wonder if maybe the move for Microsoft is to move away from the annual release model altogether and just reunite Call of Duty in the way that Fortnite is reunited, where it becomes a permanent like year round, this is call of duty. This is what everybody's playing because I I think also as a passive observer, I think that I am less inclined to uh, the new release, like the pace of the release they they keep up is actually a deterrent for me because like I'll miss one entirely. And then just assume, well, I must not care about this or I can't keep up with which one this is, right? This is the third one called Modern Warfare 3. You're like, I don't know. It, it's it's tough to keep up with that. If there was one, th- like, but when someone says you want to play Fortnite, like I that that's the one Fortnite that there is. I think I'd be much more likely to dip it back in on something like that where it's not a completely uh, separate game every time where you lose all of your institutional learning or at least a lot of it. And it certainly helps now that, you know, Obviously, before, Activision was extremely reliant on that annual income coming in at the same exact time every single year. And Microsoft, you know, I'm sure still very focused on it. It was a huge part of the lawsuit of over whether the merger would even happen. But they have the luxury, I think, to be a little more divested in terms of what games they're putting out. So they're not as reliant on that success every year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I... I I agree with Justin insofar as like I'm I don't have the motivation that I once did and I'd much rather play something lighter. Uh but you know, if someone came in uh with like a really good idea, I think Plant mentioned machine games to me at one point talking about how how they might approach the franchise. That'd be pretty fucking cool to see what they could do in the way that something with like style. Yeah, like Wolfenstein is <laughs> like a really good representation yeah. of how to like revive a franchise that previously didn't really have any tone. 
and now has like a very very much its own thing so and i think that's been the challenge for the series so far is they've been trying to do that almost on a level to level basis in previous campaigns yeah Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day you still have the same talent making the game and and they're very good at the thing that they do they're not good at for you know one hour of each game trying to recreate a arcane game you know that's that's a really tough ask of anybody what would you all think? I think part of the problem with with Call of Duty is that its popularity is a kind of its curse in that when you're making something that has to like appeal to the broadest number of people, it, it just gets more and more sort of generic. What if there was a bifurcation of the franchise uh, similar to what we see with like Forza, where you have a there's the like the main hyper realistic Call of Duty. But I mean, isn't that what it's already happened with Warzone and core core Call of Duty? Like there's, I get, yeah, there's I guess, that, I guess that that's, but like yeah, a fun I guess that's two flavors. I'm yeah, you fun. want something yeah. fun. Yeah, like something like a fun, like a fun one that's goofy. Like Battlefield like Bad Company, that series was like a really good approach to how you do Battlefield in a way that isn't like the stoic, like blood yeah, exactly that people had been doing, and then they killed that franchise dead. So who knows? <laughs> there was a game that almost came out called Call of Duty Devils Brigade. That I wrote about, like, I don't know, over I a decade that ago. Piece, yeah. And it was set in Italy during World War II and was going to be like a third person game about the um, the soldiers who were like fighting on the mountains and in the cities. And it sounded not fun in that sense, <laughs> but just like something very different that would have been cool. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right, Justin, that the like the need to be Call of Duty is probably what gotten the way of that game ever fully existing and many other some of the rumors i've heard of where call of duty could have gone over the years are, are bonkers um but they of course they never go those directions they, they kind of play it close to the best okay i think we have some reader mail we can yeah. jump into uh this letter comes from shano lynn i'm curious if Griffin has anything to say about the new Final Fantasy XIV expansion and classes coming, I just got into it and finished Endwalker, and I'm wondering how this will feel after everything we just did. You know, I just started, I just dipped back into Endwalker. I, I, for context, I've played a lot of Final Fantasy XIV. I was pretty late to the game. I started playing it when everybody was talking about how good Shadowbringers was, and they were right. It's like some of the best Final Fantasy shit ever. Um, I played a bit of Endwalker when it dropped, I think, last year. Uh, and it did not uh, light my world on fire as much as Shadowbringers did, so I kind of fell off. Uh, but I am getting back into it because uh, I've heard some of the post-launch stuff has been pretty good. And this new DLC, uh, the new expansion adds, I think, like three new classes, which is cool. But it's like a vacation. Like the whole <laughs> vibe of the of the expansion is a vacation, which like That's after awesome. the last two expansions, were all, which are all about like averting the apocalypse, uh, sounds like really really good i mean that's Um, what call of duty needs is that tone shift yeah um so (laughs) yeah i'm 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 still diving into endwalker it is not as i just straight up don't think it's as good as uh shadowbringers which was like really 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 phenomenal um but i you know it's still a really fun game to play i really like final fantasy 14 a lot uh cool the next question comes from tony francis uh this is about switch games by the way Quick question. I have limited funds for gaming, and I don't typically have the ability to buy the latest and greatest games at their $50 to $70 price tag. Do you all have suggestions on how to game on a budget but still have a good time? Maybe some good options or resources on how to wade through the miasma of the great deals category on the Nintendo eShop. Um, actually, people in the comments of the uh, newsletter, all these questions come from the newsletter, yeah, people in the comments suggested what I would suggest, which is... Um, yeah, the browsing on the eShop is terrible. If you go to yeah. the Great Deals thing, it's like a total shit show of like $1 garbage games. But Deco Deals, uh, which is spelled D-E-K-U deals.com, I think, something like that, uh, is like a really great way to surface uh, great games that have sales going on. Um, yep. It highlights the Metacritic score and generally bubbles up like only the best of the best. And... Mm it kind of makes me wish that Nintendo had something comparable. They do not. Uh, but that would be my recommendation. You can get some pretty incredible deals on great stuff. You know, excellent games for $10 or whatever it is uh, that normally maybe go for like $30. Apparently the new Mario and Rabbids game is 20 bucks on Amazon. Oh right my now. God, that's a I'm steal. Just, 
that game is at. awesome. I love that this game. website now. Um, yeah, it's tough because I mean, famously, Nintendo does not ever reduce the price of their first party games. So yeah. if that's what you're looking for. I mean, your your best hope is you know buying them used or looking for wild sales like this um, on on Deku deals. We got a question from Big Five. Uh, we were talking about clickers on a previous episode, and uh, this is a recommendation. I want to throw out Poke Clicker as an idle game recommendation. It's browser-based, but works on the iPhone Safari browser, or probably any Android device. And it's got some hard walls, but it benefits from being the Pokemon brand, but unofficial, so they literally can't ask you for money uh, because I absolutely would have dropped the money on it. Yeah, I booted this up, and I was like, it's like extremely not cool from a, you know, they're <laughs> using like f- straight up Pokemon sprites in this game. Uh, but it, it was fun, and it's a clicker game with Pokemon, like full on Pokemon branding. It's just not necessarily the most legal situation. So hopefully <laughs> they stick around. Uh, but yeah, it was a good, good wreck. Uh, Justin, I don't remember. Were you around when we we answered the poke uh, the new clickers recommendations thing? I feel like you weren't. Uh, no. Do you have a recent I, clicker? I don't think enjoyed? I was around for that. No, this this is yeah, a rest season. We uh, wanted to follow up. Yeah, we wanted to follow up um, with Justin specifically. Honestly. Right. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, it's been it's been tough out there recently. Um, there haven't been a lot of like I've been back on. Uh, I'll tell you what, a hard recommendation. Go back and check out Cookie Clicker if you haven't yeah. in a while. They have done that game continues to get wild amounts of support. There is uh, the 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 levels of depth that that game has continued to expand to are honestly like staggering. There are yeah. so many like mini games and like side things to pursue and like weird hidden. It's it's wild. It's a wild experience if you haven't done. Cookie Clicker, uh, Universal Paper Clips always hits. Yeah, but I, I feel like it's been uh, a little bit slower on on this front. It's been a, a while since there's been a really great one. It kind of feels like uh, the I don't know what the genre is called, but the Vampire Survivors genre has kind of taken up the reins of yeah, that, like le- low oh, isn't impact, that interesting? Yeah, progressive yeah. games. Uh, yeah, yeah kind of feels in the same ballpark. It um, is a little bit scratching the same itch with like the lowest amount of interactivity. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just like a little bit of a game. Uh, last question comes from Steven. Uh, this is just a nice notice about the newsletter. I'm so glad the newsletter exists. I, re- I remember Justin speaking on a fun roguelike mobile game last week and it being listed right here in the newsletter made it faster and easier than scrubbing through the episode. The quality of life as a bestiest listener has never been better. Man, couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, you can subscribe to besties.fan if you haven't yet. And I mean, I feel like we've put you people through hell, honestly. So it's good. I'm glad to be able to improve your lives because <laughs> it's been a rough ride as a Besties <laughs> listener. Real hot and cold. That's right. Uh, okay, I think we've made it to honorable mentions. Anything? Anyone got anything you want to shout out? Oh my gosh. You know what I can finally do again? Sag Yes, I can finally talk about uh, TV and film, but I haven't seen anything good lately. So uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have watched anything. Uh, I will. I, I will call I out Good enjoyed. Omens Please. too, which I finished last night. Oh yeah, Sid just rewatched that. She loves that. Pretty terrific job, uh, Neil Gaiman. You know, kind of reviving this uh, series. Obviously, season one was focused on the book that he wrote with Terry Pratchett. And season two is kind of like its own story, but obviously still focusing on the two main characters. Um, but very, very true to the tone and spirit, I think, of the series and kind of get the sense that it's not going to be the end of it, uh, at least if the show keeps getting picked up. But I, yeah, I thought they did a really good job and it was really um, sweet and interesting. And um, I think right now it's difficult to find those like I wouldn't call it low intensity because I think that undersells it, but it, at least it has a sweeter message, I think, than a lot of shows do these days. And uh, it's nice to have that opportunity. Um, the other thing that I want to recommend relevant to the Survi- Vampire Survivors thing is a game that Justin has, I think, repeatedly recommended and I never got around to playing, but just recently did. And it's Halls of Torment. This is a uh, Vampire Survivors-esque game where you're just like controlling one guy in the center of the screen i think the big difference is that you actually do dictate where you're aiming 
and like can control that. Whereas in Vampire Survivors, it kind of just does its own thing. I think Brotato is the same way where it kind of just like auto fires. And here that like slight addition of knowing and having control of where you're aiming just made it feel a little bit grippier to me. It's also not as esoteric as um, Vampire Survivors is at the jump. Like Vampire Survivors gets fucking weird very early on where you're trying to yeah. like unlock new features and blah, blah, blah. And this feels at least at the start, I don't know how it kind of progresses, but at least at the start, much more digestible and like easy to jump in without having tons of guides open at the same time. But it also, the goals that it has, it has some specific goals that you use to get new unlocks. And the goals are specific enough that, like, there it does invite more strategy to Vampire Survivors because you're having to think about, like, if it's a if it's a goal about, like, say, critical hits or something, like, you, first of all, have a, an equipment loadout that you take out with you that can help with that. Yeah. But also you're, like, trying to do the math while you're playing of, like, what is the best way to get critical hits? What upgrades make sense for this like one specific goal I'm pursuing, which is neat. Yeah, I also really like the aesthetic, which is like very Diablo 2. And I feel like there aren't a ton of games that call back to that specific aesthetic. Yeah. Um, so You mentioned the ramp up is is better than in Vampire Survivors 2, right? Yeah, like I, I thought, like my first run ever, I think I lasted probably like 20 minutes. And in Vi- Vampire Survivors, it was like maybe three minutes until yeah. you like yeah, start yeah, unlocking yeah. upgrades and stuff. So having a satisfying run the first time you play is, I think, really important for people. And uh, that definitely helped. It's also like fucking $5, like total steal. Um, so highly recommended. It runs great. And they are doing everything. stuff to it. Big changes a lot. Yeah. Like it, it is constantly evolving. Yeah, it's still in early access. Um, I was playing it on a Steam Deck, which obviously easily handles it. But uh, I'd imagine they're going to continue just dropping new content. Um. I'm going to give a shout out to, uh, now that the strike is over, we're going to talk about TV again. We just finished our Flag Means Death Season 2. Fucking good shit. Uh, It's great. I I did not know how they were going to sort of follow up the first season, and then they did a bunch of really incredible, unexpected stuff uh, that I uh, was just bewildered by. I feel like that has happened a lot this year, where like, with the bear, I was like, well, how could they follow this up? And then they do a season, maybe the best season of television I've ever seen in my life. Um, and this, this, this was no different. Um, also want to give a shout out to Gubbins. A lot of people talking about Gubbins out there. I don't know what Gubbins is. What's Gubbins? What is Gubbins? Oh, boys. Download Gubbins. Just go ahead and download that. (laughs) It is a, it is a word game with a fucking incredible aesthetic, uh, that, man, I don't know how to, somebody Google Gubbins and help me try and describe oh, it. I'm going like, to drop a trailer in, in the news under for it because, yes, it has kind of like a 60s it looks like psychedelic yellow submarine. children's thing. Yellow Submarine is a great, great, yeah. uh, that, that is exactly what I was looking for. Uh, it is sort of like, it is like a Scrabble crossword puzzle. You start with this empty grid and you have a tray of either single letters or... Uh, like, you know, fragments, uh, so like two letters or three letters on, on one tile, and you drop them onto this grid to spell words, and then you activate those words to, you know, clear them from the board, and you get points for them. Uh, but occasionally throughout the game, you will also get gubbins, and gubbins are little creatures huh? that have different abilities. Some of them are good gubbins, some of them are bad gubbins. Some gubbins will like lock down letters on the board and they can't be cleared until you've taken a certain number of moves. Some gubbins are like, here's an empty, here's a, a you know, a, a wild tile that can be any letter to like complete a word for you. What is great is like when you finish your game, you get your, your score and whatever, and then there is a sort of Instagram story style system for making a postcard. Uh, of the words that you spelled and stickers and backgrounds that are hysterically funny. And then you can just share those with people. And the postcards, the Gubbins postcards I've seen uh, people share are fucking hysterical. Um, I made one last night that was just like a big sort of ape looking man just shouting out the word sprung, which was one of the words I had spelled that time. I sent that to my wife. She got to <laughs> it. Um, so that's Gubbins. It's, it's, uh, it's great. It's real good. It's on your phone. It lives on your phone. Uh, it's it's on Android too, by the way, for people who that's a phone. are curious about things like that. Um, <laughs> right, that is a phone. <laughs> uh, I I had a chance to see uh, Napoleon, the new movie 
uh, from Ridley Scott. And let me tell you, what I didn't expect about it, pretty funny. A pretty funny movie. I saw it in a theater, and people were were giggling the whole time. Joaquin Phoenix is having himself a kind of like an Anthony Hopkins, I am going to, as this movie goes on, have an increasing appetite for scenery, and I will chew it into a delicious fine pulp. Um, is it funny I, when he goes and gets a Ziggy Piggy? <laughs> is that funny? <laughs> when he goes and gets a Ziggy Piggy and he goes on the water slide? Is that funny? Ziggy Piggy. Ziggy Piggy. Um, it's, it's great. It's also, um, it's very cool just to watch an old-fashioned, like, uh, historical drama that's, like, super violent in the way that they were in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, and uh, not sexy in the least compared to Game of Thrones. Very interested in, in fact, being the opposite of sexy. Um, uh, I think Joaquin Phoenix has a real interest in some sort of um, uh, cuck kink. I, I don't know what's going on, but it is... A wild thing to say. Cuck kink? <laughs> that's just, about a real human. Maybe that's Let's just like Napoleon. No, I, I'm saying like, the, the roles he has taken, there's a lot of cuck kink going on in these roles that's all i'm not saying anything about his personal it's like let I'm me saying let me clarify i'll say it chosen. slower <laughs> exactly what Plans, i mean to say Plans like let me back up let me say it more specifically <laughs> <laughs> and more concretely more litigiously um i've ziggy, uh ziggy. watched ziggy piggy no i watched <laughs> bill and ted's excellent no uh i watched um you know what really surprised me? This has been Sid and I have been watching, trying to watch more movies. Uh, and this it, we watched just on kind of a lark, uh, a haunting in Venice. Uh, mm. I'm a big Poirot guy. I really thought the Branagh's um, Orient Express was just like okay. It was just fine. Uh, and I skipped uh, Death on the Nile because I heard it was so bad from the only other Poro person I trust, my brother Travis. Wait, is that uh, another Brano one that I just didn't realize existed? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's got Gal Gadot. I think it's 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 uh yeah. So, um, I I was not expecting a lot from this, and uh, I I was really pleasantly surprised um by by how it shook out um it's it's just an old-fashioned charming kind of um mystery where Poirot is basically retired uh Agatha Christie is a famous Belgian detective Poirot has basically retired and he is invited to a seance where things happen there that he can't explain but before long there's a murder and it is sort of like mixing spiritualism with science. And uh, it is a lot more restrained than the first one. I feel like Orient Express had this weird compulsion to try to be a blockbuster and insert like yeah. big action scenes where there are. Yeah, there was like Mission Impossible all. almost moments yeah. in that movie. This is not that. This is much more the like cozy mystery that that Christie is is known for and it's classy and well acted and is nice to look at and is a, a just as like a pure entertainment uh i found it delightful has anyone I still ever don't made love Branagh as poro i find it hard to get past um that but he's trying has anyone ever made one of these like murder mysteries where they like kind of hint at like, oh, there's something mystical going on, but it actually ends up, ends up being a murderer, like a normal person, but have it just end up being, oh, it was a ghost. They had to have done that on a well, Scooby-Doo episode, right? Had to have. Yeah, had to have. Had. No, did they ever disprove or prove the existence of the soul on <laughs> Scooby-Doo? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Seems like a missed opportunity. Uh, okay, I think we did it. Uh, Plant, you want to recap what we discussed? Oh, we talked about a lot. We talked about Persona 5 Tactica, the Call of Duty series, Final Fantasy XIV and Walker, Cookie Clicker, Poke Clicker, Halls of Torment, Gubbins, and then a whole bunch of other stuff that's not even video games, all of which will be in the newsletter at besties.fan. What a plug. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about Super Mario RPG, the remake coming to Switch. I'm very excited. I love that game. Me too. Okay. <laughs> I won't be here. Yeah, Justin Stop won't be here. Me, so, I guess. so it's going to be lighthearted and fun. 
Um, I thought I did a really good job of, of cloaking my <laughs> disinterest this week. I, and I will continue to uphold that high standard. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Besties. Be sure to join us again next week for the Besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Steve.